Welcome to Training for Godliness, where we take a few minutes to remind each other to stay focused on spiritual things during our daily walk with God. I'm your host, Paul Hammonds. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us this week. I apologize for being a little inconsistent with the days and the times when I'm doing this podcast, and I'm going to try to be a little more regular on that, but I appreciate you sticking with me. Hope you'll continue to like and share out to anyone who might have interest. So, Today I want to talk about getting tired. Have you ever been in a situation where you were tired or frustrated or, or struggling and you just wanted to vent about it? We've all done that from time to time. and Usually we do it so we can get acknowledgement that our struggle is real, that life really is hard. And sometimes we're hoping that someone will assure us that things will get better, that it'll get easier. Maybe you're on a hike with friends and your legs start to feel it and you're getting hungry and it seems like the hike is going on forever and you either say something about the pain or you complain about how steep the hill is or maybe people just can notice from your posture and your walk that you're struggling to keep up. Have you ever had one of your friends look at you at that point, turn around, give you a grin and say, you're not tired already, are you? No encouragement. No, you can do it. No, keep going. No, okay, let's take a break. Just... You're not tired already, are you? Don't you hate that guy? Of course you do. At least in the moment we do. No one wants to hear that the problem isn't that the work is too hard, that the problem is we're just not tough enough. And that's the implication, isn't it? That's what I think about a little when I read a story over in Jeremiah chapter 12. Jeremiah has been prophesying to God's people for years now with no response, no repentance, no indication that what he's accomplishing is amounting to anything. And in fact, the people he was trying to save were threatening his life. They were contradicting him. They were turning people against him. And all the while, Jeremiah could see the end that awaited them and couldn't understand why they wouldn't listen and why God continues to allow them to go on with the way that they're living. And he asked the question, why do the wicked prosper? When are you going to punish these people for the evil they're committing? Starting in verse 5 of chapter 12, it's interesting to see how God responds. He says, if you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you're, trust, you're so trusting, what will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? In other words, if you're complaining about how bad it is now, how will you respond when it gets even worse? He goes on to tell Jeremiah that yes, he sees all the evil going on, and yes, he's going to punish the people, but God doesn't sugarcoat things for him, doesn't set false expectations any more than Jeremiah is allowed to set false expectations for the Israelites. The false prophets have been prophesying peace, peace where there is no peace, But Jeremiah is sent to tell people the truth. So we look around today at the world and we see the ungodliness increasing and the persecutions of Christians increasing and the negative attitudes that we have to prepare for any time we talk about the commitment and the virtue and the sacrifice required to serve God. Maybe it's just about the hardship in our own lives that we're going through that may not be directly related to our service to God, but the ongoing hardship we face that makes it harder for us to focus on the blessings we have in Christ. Wouldn't it be great to hear, this is the worst of it. If you get past this, everything will get better. But God tells us the truth. And his message over and over seems to be that we need to be prepared for the idea that at least on this earth, there's no promise of an easy life. There's no promise that things are going to get better. There's no promise that life will become easier. And there's certainly no promise that we're going to be able to live a life that doesn't include pain, that doesn't include persecution, that doesn't include some sort of suffering. Jesus warns us multiple times the cost of being a disciple of Christ. He tells us to count the cost. He talks about taking up your cross and following him. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul describes the relationship in Christ as one where we can share in Christ's glory if we share in his sufferings. I can't share in Christ's rest if I haven't shared in Christ's work. 
Now, that's not to say we're left to deal with hardship and persecution on our own or that we'll never get rest or respite. As hard as Jesus worked, he still called for his disciples to rest from time to time, and he did that himself as well. When Elijah is in his deepest point of despair, fearing for his life, fleeing from King Ahab, discouraged that his work isn't accomplishing anything, God sends him sustenance and encouragement and tells him to rest because he says the journey is too great for you. But notice he doesn't say, give up on the journey. He doesn't say, you can't do this. But he does provide Elijah with the help and the encouragement to finish the job. We don't have a promise that things will get easier, just that we'll always have God with us, encouraging us and sometimes challenging us to get back to work. And if sometimes it seems like God is challenging us more than providing the rest and reassurance that we want, then let's remember why our friend on the hike is challenging us as well. He's not doing it to discourage us. He's telling us to keep going, that you still have the strength to finish the course. He's saying what the writer in Hebrews is saying when he writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. No one in that cloud of witnesses cheering you on from the side of the race course saying, it's okay, the race gets easier in the next mile. They're encouraging you to keep going even if it gets harder. Because quitting isn't an option. Not when we know what Jesus has done for us and what he has waiting for us if we make it to the end. James tells us to count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. If we can get through this trial, we'll have strength to get through the next one too. As Paul wrote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's not talking about finishing a literal marathon or winning a literal award, but he is talking about overcoming every obstacle in our path while training for Godliness. Thanks for joining us. 